From the University of Notre Dame, I'm Brendan O'Shaughnessy, and these are Notre Dame Stories. Jimmy Garule teaches criminal law at the Notre Dame Law School. In July, a story that Garule was involved with more than 30 years ago was back in the news. Mexican authorities caught Rafael Caro Quintera, a leader of the Guadalajara drug cartel in the 1980s. Gurule had indicted Caro Quintera and tried several related cases when he was a prosecutor in Los Angeles before coming to Notre Dame. We sat down with him to learn more about the story. Good. All right, so we'll start with the first question. When and how did you learn the news that Rafael Caro Quintera was captured again? On my uh, on my cell phone, I get uh, alerts uh, on uh, with respect to New York Times articles, and so uh, I was actually at a um, at a social event, and I got this alert on my on my cell phone, and I checked it out, and it was a New York Times article that stated that uh, Rafael Cotacantero had been arrested in uh, in Mexico and was in Mexican custody. So tell us who is uh, Caro Quintero and why is it, was there a $20 million reward? Yeah, Rafael Caro Quintero was the, uh, the head of a very notorious, violent, and very successful and profitable drug cartel that operated in Guadalajara, Jalisco, Mexico. And uh, he was responsible for ordering and directing the kidnapping and the, mor- and the murder torture murder of a DEA agent in Mexico by the name of Enrique Camarena. Well, how were you involved when Caro Quintero was first indicted? Well, I was working at the time as a federal prosecutor in the U.S. Attorney's Office in in Los Angeles. I worked there from uh, 1985 to 1989. Shortly after joining the the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, this case was brought to my attention. Enrique Camarena was kidnapped in uh, in Mexico in February of 1985, and it was shortly after that that I joined the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the case was brought to my attention, and I was asked to uh, conduct the investigation into the, the kidnapping murder. Uh, so tell us how that investigation went and kind of uh, what went forward in terms of the indictment of Carol Quintero? Well, it started focusing on an individual by the name of Jesus Felix Gutierrez. And uh, Jesus Felix uh, operated a business in Los Angeles. It was called Ocean Gold, and it was a seafood business, but it was uh, being used as a front to, uh, to launder money for the drug cartel. And so that was the Los Angeles link. You know, the kidnapping of Enrique, of DEA agent Camarena occurred in Mexico. The murder of, of Camarena occurred in Mexico. And so one of the interesting questions, well, why did the U.S. have jurisdiction and why specifically did the U.S. Attorney's Office in Los Angeles have jurisdiction or a nexus, you know, to this case? And it was really through Jesus Felix Gutierrez. And Jesus Felix Gutierrez, in addition to his work as a money launderer for the cartel, he was responsible for uh, assisting uh, Caro Quintero in fleeing from Mexico after the abduction and kidnapping murder of Camarena and having him transported to 
uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, where he eventually was arrested and then returned to Mexico for, uh, for prosecution. Were you ever uh, able to uh, prosecute Caro Quintero, and, or what happened with that? We indicted him. I, I headed up the, uh, the investigation uh, for three years. It was a very lengthy uh, investigation, a very complicated investigation, uh, largely because, again, the crime was committed in a foreign country. The evidence was in a foreign country. The witnesses were located in a foreign country. And so it was a very unusual you know, case in, in that regard. So I headed up, I, I was the, the lead prosecutor heading up the investigation for three years. And ultimately we indicted, the, uh, and this was through a fed, federal grand jury that I was using to investigate the case, and a federal grand jury uh, indicted Rafael Cato Quintero. We had, uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office had sought to uh, have him extradited from Mexico to the United States based on an outstanding arrest warrant for Cato Quintero. The uh, Mexican government refused to uh, turn him over. So we had the indictment, we had the arrest warrant, but we didn't have the body to prosecute him in Los Angeles. Yet there still were trials. Yeah, he was prosecuted in Mexico. My recollection is that he was not prosecuted uh, directly for the murder of Enrique Camarena, but, but instead for, uh, for drug charges. And uh, he received a lengthy sentence, was incarcerated for a number of years, and then I think it was approximately in 2013 that he was released from prison based on a decision by a Mexican uh, court uh, that found some technicality that in, in their opinion justified releasing him from prison. And uh, the Mexican Supreme Court overturned that lower court decision, found that it was erroneous, that, that Rafael should never have been released from prison. And then it was just again in, in July of 2022 that he was recaptured and rearrested after that that period of you know from 2013 to 2022 where he was uh, he was on the run and while Caro Quintero was not uh, prosecuted in the US there were US trials that you prosecuted yeah i i headed up uh, along with the co-counsel uh we prosecuted three individuals that were members of the uh of the Guadalajara drug cartel and all three of them were were convicted of of, of all charges including Jesus Felix Gutierrez, the individual that had the connection to, to Los Angeles through this business, Ocean Gold. And then uh, Rene Verdugo was one of the other defendants, and he was uh, uh, a chief lieutenant in the, uh, in the drug cartel. We prosecuted him and then one other individual. Tell me about the political implications, especially in Mexico. Yeah, it was a very, very sensitive case because uh, the indictment that uh, I was able to obtain uh, from the federal grand jury included uh, several high-level Mexican government law enforcement officials. And they were implicated in, uh, in working uh, for the drug cartel, being on the payroll of the drug cartel. This obviously was very embarrassing uh, to the Mexican government. It really strained relations, diplomatic relations, between the U.S. government and the Mexican government. Why was Carlo Quintero a problem in U.S.-Mexico relations? Well, mainly because, again, he was responsible for, for kidnapping and directing the torture murder of a DEA agent. And, um, and DEA committed after that that they were going to do everything in their power 
to bring to justice every individual that was responsible for Enrique Camarena's uh, murder. And so that resulted in, in the DEA, uh, federal law enforcement, putting, you know, escalating their, intensifying their, their resources, investigations involving the drug cartel, and that placed a lot of pressure on the drug cartel. Again, there were high-level government officials that were on the payroll of the drug cartel, so they were, they were at jeopardy of being uh, uh, indicted, uh, apprehended, and arrested as well. So it, it really did strain diplomatic relations between the two countries and, and continues to do so even to this day. What do you expect will happen this time? I'm not particularly optimistic that uh, that the Mexican government is going to turn over or or uh, grant um, an extradition request from the United States to uh, extradite Caro Quintero for prosecution in the United States. I suspect that um, he may be um, incarcerated again based upon the original uh, drug uh, charges that resulted in his incarceration. But I think that because of the friction between the two governments here involving this case and um, the embarrassment that it's caused the Mexican government, I don't think they want to be perceived as maybe kowtowing to the U.S. government or uh, having the U.S. government dictate to them what they should do with respect to their nationals that have been allegedly involved in criminal activities. So, uh, it's certainly possible that he could be turned over to the United States for prosecution, but I'm, uh, I'm not optimistic that that's going to happen. And you experience the uh, complexity of this U.S.-Mexico relations um, element yourself when you had to have several meetings to get clearance to uh, indict. Yeah, well, it was an interesting case. I mean, typically uh, the U.S. attorney in, in a U.S. attorney's office uh, pretty much... Uh, operates as a, uh, as, you know, th these offices uh, operate as satellite offices that they're pretty much independent, largely independent offices. And, and it's very seldom the case that the U.S. attorney has to obtain approval from the Attorney General of the United States to indict a particular case. This was one of those rare exceptions. I had to travel along with the actual U.S. attorney uh, to Washington, D.C. on two different occasions in an effort to persuade the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, to, uh, to give us uh, permission, the authority to indict um, the individuals who were responsible for Enrique Camarena's murder, including some high-level Mexican law enforcement officials. Do you think that the Netflix series, uh, Narcos, about Kiki Camarena, do you think that that played a role in bringing this case back to the fore? I, I think it did. You know, there's no question about it. I, I think that that particular Netflix series uh, was was watched, had a very large audience of, of viewers. I think it, it, it highlighted the uh, the level of, of, of government public corruption uh, with respect to uh, drug trafficking, drug cartels. And, and the story itself is a very shocking story. It's a very... Camarena is a very sympathetic figure. He was a very, uh, he was kind of a hero of, of sorts. Uh, he was very charismatic. He was a, an attractive uh, young man. He uh, was um, maybe somewhat idealistic in, in terms of 
the impact that he thought he could have on uh, reducing the drug trade in Mexico. And then the fact that he was abducted and, and again murdered in the very violent, brutal way that he was uh, really made him a, a kind of a symbol for the DEA. And all of that was highlighted in the, in the Netflix uh, Narcos Mexico series. What do you think of uh, U.S. actions when they abducted the, the doctor involved in the torture case, Umberto Machine? Yeah, uh, uh, Umberto Alvarez Machine was, uh, was a doctor, you know, actually a, a physician, a medical doctor, and he worked for the drug cartel and uh, the Guadalajara drug cartel, and he was often uh, called on if there were injuries that resulted from violent confrontations between members of this drug cartel and other other drug cartels. And, uh, and in this particular case, he was uh, called on to uh, revive uh, Enrique Camarena when he had been tortured to such an extent that he, had, he, was, he became unconscious. And so uh, Dr. Machine was called to revive him, to keep him alive so that he could be uh, tortured and interrogated further. And the purpose of the interrogation was to determine if there were um, cooperating informants, uh, individuals that were cooperating with the DEA that were uh, working with the drug cartel. Because Enrique Camanena was responsible for uh, identifying a vast marijuana cultivation operation there were thousands and thousands of acres of, of marijuana that was being cultivated in, in the open. And that um, marijuana, that marijuana field was ultimately destroyed. And it resulted in a, a multi-billion dollar loss to the drug cartel. And so the drug cartel, Rafael Cato Quintero specifically, wanted to learn, well, how did that happen? Was there somebody on the inside that tipped off the DEA? And so Camarena was abducted for that purpose and interrogated for the purpose of uh, eliciting information that would help the drug cartel identify any uh, informants that were working for the DEA. As leader of the Wrongful Conviction Clinic here at Notre Dame, what do you think of some of the cases that have been overturned? Well, there's been uh, two cases, uh, Camarena-related cases that were that were overturned based upon um, expert testimony was, that was offered at, at separate trials. I mean, there, there have been multiple Camarena-related trials. I was responsible for overseeing the, the indictment, the prosecution of the first Camarena trial that involved three defendants. And, and Rene Verdugo, one of the defendants, his um, conviction related to the, um, the kidnapping murder was overturned based upon expert testimony related to the analysis of, of hair exemplars that were found at the scene of the crime and they were compared to Verdugo's hair. And, and uh, the development of technology in this field, you know, again, 20 years later, has determined that the, uh, the kind of testimony that was offered at trial then could not be supported by the technology as, as it has advanced, you know, today. And, uh, and therefore, you know, his, his conviction was overturned. There was one other individual, um, Juan Matavallesteros, who was convicted in a subsequent come out in a related trial. I had actually prosecuted him when I was a federal prosecutor in Los Angeles in a separate drug-related prosecution. Didn't involve, his, didn't implicate him in the Camarena murder. This was just a straight drug trial. 
And so he received a very lengthy sentence uh, for the drug conviction and uh, has served uh, most of that sentence. So I don't think it affected him in terms of, of the amount of time served because he was serving uh, a sentence on both cases, the drug case and the Kamadana-related case. Okay, and do all of these allegations make prosecuting a 35-year-old case difficult? It makes it almost impossible. So that, that, that's the other kind of interesting issue. So if the Mexican government agreed to extradite Rafael Carapintero to the United States to stand trial for his involvement in the Camarena murder, it would be difficult today to reconstruct all of that evidence and, uh, and witnesses and uh, to get them to testify. What would probably happen is that um, there would be an attempt to use the trial transcripts of the earlier trials and introduce the trial transcripts of those proceedings, of the trial proceedings, at this new trial. But because um, those specific trials did not focus on Caro Quintero specifically, it might not be sufficient, might not be adequate to, uh, to justify his conviction. All right. Uh, anything you'd like to add? I think, I think the other interesting aspect of this is that uh, how this case even, it would be literally, you know, he was abducted, Commandant was abducted in 1985, and here we are in, in 2022, and this case is still a sore point between the Mexican government and the United States. You know, 30 years later, it is still a sore point between the two governments, and DEA's mission, their, um, their intensity, their focus on, on this case and wanting to bring to justice everyone responsible for the killing of, of DEA agent Camarena is probably as intense today as it was, you know, 30, 30 plus years ago. Our thanks to Notre Dame Law Professor Jimmy Garule. Notre Dame Stories is produced by the Office of Public Affairs and Communications. I'm your host, Brendan O'Shaughnessy. Our music is by Alex Mansour. Thank you.